Hey, thanks for checking out the Blake Bins podcast. On today's episode, we have Dave Heimbuck, who talks about his startup journey of creating Hydrant. It's an app that firefighters can use to really pick up handyman jobs from people around them. I was so amazed to listen to his perspective on his startup journey, and I think you're going to enjoy it as well. Check out the episode. As always, feel free to review the podcast, subscribe to it, and tell a friend about it. I appreciate you. Enjoy the episode, and I will catch you next week. everybody welcome back to another episode of the blake ben's podcast man i gotta say i am stoked for today's episode we got dave heimbuck who's the founder of a startup out of dallas uh maybe it's even fort worth dave i don't know which one it is you're gonna have to correct me but uh his startup hydrant which helps with uh firefighters who are looking for alternative income outside of their actual day-to-day duties dave thanks for being here today Hey, thanks for having me, Blake. I would say it's more so Dallas than it is Fort Worth. We're on the north side of of town, (laughs) quite a ways north uh, near Plano, Frisco area. Well, I kind of panic for a minute because I know that some people get pretty antsy around, no, 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 I'm not in this part. And so I was like, oh, no, I may have already offended him just from our my first introduction. Not at all. Nope. Well, for our listeners, uh, Dave and I came across each other on LinkedIn. Uh, Dimitri Love, who was on the show several months ago, was asking for some recommendations. And Dimitri was like, Dave has to come on and talk about his startup journey. And uh, so, Dave, I am so grateful for you to be here today and so grateful for the insights you're going to share with the audience today. Yeah. And again, like, thanks for having me. Yeah. So, the name of the company is Hydrant. We do spell it a little bit differently. We spell it H-I-D-R-E-N-T because hidden in the word there is the word hire. And you mentioned it before, but what we do is we help firefighters supplement their income during their 20 off-duty days each month by connecting them with people who are looking for a safe, trustworthy, and reliable handyman. So you can kind of think about us like like Tackle or Home Advisor or, or TaskRabbit or, or Handy or Angie's List or any of those other competitors that we have. We're the only company out there that's doing this exclusively with firefighters as the labor supply. Now, Dave, I got to say, man, I, I love this idea. Like, I'm really energized around this because my brother-in-law, my brother-in-law is yeah. a firefighter. He is phenomenal, but he also runs a pool cleaning business. And oh, really? Great. I, well, so I started to drill in on this a little bit because I was, I was just curious. And he was like, oh, yeah, my buddy who's also a firefighter, he's running a lawn mowing business. Well, then I actually went and like babysit his kids and I met some of his coworkers and like everyone had a side hustle. And it, I was right. like, what is going on here? This is, I didn't really envision this, I guess. Yeah. And that's, that's funny how you came across it or how you learned about it. I did the same way. I'm, I'm not a firefighter. I, my background is in marketing, but I married into a family of firefighter. My, so my brother-in-law, my brother-in-law is also a firefighter. And I was doing some home repairs. I was using Thumbtack to get it done. And I was telling him about it over dinner one night. And he's like, dude, I, I could do that stuff. Anybody at the station, you know, any of the guys at the station, we, we all do that stuff. He goes, we, we all have second jobs. And not a lot of people know this, but, but firefighter schedules are unique in that they work 24 hours on and then they have 48 hours off. And then they work 24 hours on and then they have 48 hours off. So it really gives them 20 off days each month. So they have plenty of time. 
And whether they're bored or just looking for ways to supplement their income or just want to help people out in the community on their off days, um, they're just always trying to keep busy and do something. So yeah, so that's how I came across it as well. So talk to me a little bit about just because I, I love to give the listeners a bit more context in terms of the journey. So you, you have this mm-hmm. idea and how did we go from the idea to where, where we are today? Well, the, the first thing you do, right, is you go to Google and, and you're thinking to yourself, <laughs> there has to be something yeah, like yeah. this already out there, right? Yeah. <laughs> so which, you go which, to make sure that it... <laughs> I don't mean to interrupt. I just, it's so funny how these ideas come about where like in hindsight, you're like, oh, that's such a good idea. And then you yeah. realize, like, oh, you start getting excited because it's like, oh my gosh, maybe I am like, <laughs> maybe I am the first one to really think of this. <laughs> it's crazy because you do and you're like, this has to exist. I mean, there, there's got to be, I mean, how long have firefighters been around and how long have their schedules been like this and how long have they had second jobs and how long have they been looking for ways to supplement their incomes and find additional work? And the fact that nobody had thought about this before was surprising to me. So I went, you know, I went to Google and I, and I Googled like, tackle for firefighters or home advisor for firefighters or on-demand home service app for firefighters only and, and nothing like that existed so you know i just just be having an entrepreneur mindset and a marketing background i thought i could build this and and having my brother-in-law and and, and his buddies at the station um kind of giving me input and ideas of, of how to build it and, and i just kind of jumped in with both feet i was at a point in my life where I was a little bit tired of the corporate world, of the world that I was in, marketing and sales and, and things like that. And I, I was really excited to start something on my own. And, and this was just a, a perfect fit and perfect timing. So, um, you know, the, so the, the first part of it is I know nothing about technology, right? And I'm like, okay, great. <laughs> yeah, I, need sure. to, I need to build a technology company and I have no idea how to code and I have no background yeah. in technology. So, so where do I go? And that was really the first thing I decided to do is be like, okay, how can I how can I build this? How can I really build this to a point where we can get it out in the market and see whether or not it has legs? Um, so that was the first step was trying to find an agency. And we settled on a company here in Dallas, um, an agency here in Dallas that helped us um, to, to build the app. You know, it took about, we started in May, I think of 2017, and we launched in January of 2018. So that's really how long it took to, to build the app and get everything set and ready to go. That's a great turnaround time. You think? <laughs> well, you just hear I so mean, many, uh, you, I hear so many stories and maybe you have as well. Cause you know, you really jumped into this and I don't know how much experience you had in the startup world before this, but you really jumped into the startup world where it's kind of characterized by people who sometimes have like these two year, you know, development times before they actually, actually get something going. Yeah. Yeah. I, and fortunately I, I have experience working for startups. I mean, that has been the career path that I had been on um, ever since I, I'm from Chicago originally. So I worked at ad tech startups. I was actually one of the first people hired at a company called Photo Bucket back when MySpace was a big deal and you could link your photos to your MySpace page using Photo Bucket. Yeah. yeah. And then okay. uh, I was actually the, the first person hired in Chicago at a company called Shazam, which everyone knows, right? It's the audio recognition company, the way you can um, oh discover gosh, music yeah. and songs. Yeah. So I was the first I, person hired in Chicago. Wow. Yeah. That's interesting. Yeah. And mm-hmm. you know what's so funny about that company is it became so... Um, I just remember like being in the car, oh, oh quick, quick, somebody Shazam this. You know? It became yeah, so, right. <laughs> uh, it was such a cool uh, technology at the time. So, so you, you actually have quite the backgrounds, you know, you've actually been in quite a few, um, you've been, I guess, you know, feet first in some companies that have really evolved to be pretty powerful, um, products in our industry. 
Yeah, I think it's in my DNA. I think that I've always wanted to be a part of, of a startup company. What, what typically happens, though, when you, when you join a startup, and if you join a successful startup like the ones that I have, like a Shazam or, or like the Photo Bucket. So Photo Bucket was acquired by, by MySpace, really, but, which was owned by Fox Interactive Media, which is a part of News Corp. Hmm. Um, and, then, and then Apple acquired uh, Shazam. And, and a lot of times you, you have all this excitement of working for a startup and things are fast and nimble and quick. And then you get acquired and it's obviously a great deal if you have equity and things like that. But then it just slows things down yeah. to almost a halt, right? And it mm-hmm. just becomes the grind and, and there's, it, it just sucks all the fun out of it, right? And, that, right. and so, so, yes, I do have a background um, uh, in startups, but I've never started my own company. Um, the turnaround time between May of 2017, when we started building the app to January 18, uh, it may seem uh, to you as fast, but man, it seemed like five years to me <laughs> when we were doing it. <laughs> well, pro- I, w- I would guess, I mean, I obviously wasn't there. I, it, it feels like, and even just listening to the idea, it has such, it has such a simplicity to it in the sense of like, <laughs> yes, of course. And so I can imagine that back when you, this inspiration came, there was probably this level of like, I mean, I'm ready to do it now because I, you know, it's it's just so obvious how it works and who it could help. And I mean, you you, you hit so many, you checked so many boxes in terms of what you would want for an ideal product, right from just the ideation phase of it. I I could understand why it felt so long for you. Yeah, I think, uh, yeah. And and you're right. I think there was an easier path for us, uh, just given the fact that we weren't reinventing the wheel. We were just kind of tweaking um, a business model that has already been established, whether it be Angie's List or Home Advisor or something like mm-hmm. that. So, so yeah, it's just like that is where that excitement lies, and that you know you have these these companies like Thumbtack, for example, being a, a unicorn valued at like one point seven billion dollars right now, mm-hmm. that are out there running and doing what we're doing with a labor supply that's totally different, and it's not a bad way that they're doing it. It's just, if you need something done and you know, you could have a firefighter do it, or if you know, you could have just some person who you don't know, some stranger, mm-hmm. um, who are you going to choose? Right. And we were like, gosh, we got to get this up and running. We got to get this as fast as we can. Uh, yeah. so yeah, that's why it seems like it took so long. Yeah. So, so how's it been since you launched? I guess it's been a couple of years now, right? You just celebrated two years since you launched. Yeah, we have celebrated two years since we launched now. And it's been, it's been, there's been ups and downs, right? I mean, mm-hmm. I would say overall, uh, I'm extremely excited and pleased that it's been successful, right? So it's been a lot of the first year, uh, especially like in, in January of 2018, February, March, April, May, June, like the first half of that year, just building brand awareness, right? And, and trying to get firefighters to sign up on the platform and trying to get homeowners to use it, right? So you've got this two-sided marketplace that you're trying to fill. And it's like, if you have too many firefighters, but not enough jobs, then they're going to be unhappy. And if you have a bunch of people who are submitting jobs and not enough firefighters to fulfill those requests, then you're going to have homeowners that are unhappy. So it's, it was really balancing that, that two-sided marketplace and trying to find equality there where you have enough uh, firefighters to handle the amount or the job flow that's coming in. And, and that's really what we spent the first half of the uh, the first six months of 2018 doing is just spent a lot of money on marketing and a lot of money on uh, acquiring uh, firefighters. Mm-hmm. So, so that was good. And, and from then on, you know, we've, we've kind of, after those first six months and we've kind of realized that we did have product market fit, that this was something that, that homeowners were interested in and it was something that firefighters were interested in as well. 
then it's like tweaking the business model itself. Okay, now we know this works, but how are we going to make money, right? Mm-hmm. You know, how are we going to yeah. make money doing this? And, and spending the last year and a half trying to solve a lot of different problems, uh, tweak a lot of different things, and, and make sure that the business is, is where it needs to be to hopefully one day raise um, some funds for a seed round. Mm-hmm. Okay, so are you blitz, are you bootstrapped currently, or or what? Are you an accelerator? Yeah, so so I we've we've the company has been bootstrapped um, from I, I would say uh, Jan well from May of 2017 when we started to July of 2019, and in July of 2019 we ran we ran a crowdfunding uh, campaign, and we raised fifty thousand dollars through that platform. It was the Micro Ventures out of Austin, mm. and you know, it, it, I would consider that a success. We raised fifty thousand dollars, and um, we've used that money to kind of get us to a point now where we uh, believe that we are ready to to take on some institutional investment dollars, some some angel investors, and mm-hmm. we are at a point now. And and I can't really give the name of the accelerator, but you had yeah, brought yeah, sure. it up. We are sure. we are um, we are signing a deal with an accelerator in the in the Midwest here very soon. Congratulations! That's awesome. Well, thank you very much. Yeah, well, I'm excited about it. And you know, another, another differentiator for you guys as a startup is it sounds like you you're already serving your customers. You're already you already have customers. You know, you actually have a product that I mean, right now it's, right now we're talking about levels of scale and needing investors to scale this out to something that maybe works long term. Uh, is that right? Is that accurate? Yeah, I believe so. I mean, I think that we've established that there is a market for this, that, that, mm-hmm. it, that there is a fit. Um, and it is just now it's about, you know, how can we be smart about growing right. it and expanding? We're, we're currently in seven markets. So we, we launched in Dallas and because that's our backyard. And then we launched in Denver as well, because I wanted to see if there were different jobs that firefighters would take in different climates, like snow shoveling and, yeah. and different things like that. And, and, and Denver is a very tech savvy market too. So, mm-hmm. so we launched in Dallas and Denver, uh, to some success, you know, slowly but surely. But but what we found in Texas in particular was that um, firefighters in Austin and firefighters in Houston and, and San Antonio would reach out to us and say, hey, we heard about this thing you're doing in Dallas-Fort Worth. Can you do it here in Austin? Can you do it here in Houston? <laughs> yeah. So yeah. I was like, cool, let's, let's expand, right? Yeah, and and yeah. so we, we opened up those markets as well. And then another thing I found out too, Blake, which, and this is, you know, important in, in, as far as knowing your customers. When, when, we, when we built it, we thought, okay, this would be really good for stay-at-home moms, single women, elderly people, you know, people that, um, you know, feel safe and, and trust a firefighter in their homes. Yeah. And what we found was, for the most part anyway, it was really senior citizens. It was adults 55 plus that really took to the app and, and really wanted to use it. So mm. we opened in Phoenix and, and certain markets in Florida as well. <laughs> so we could find those retirement communities and, and really hit that, <laughs> that senior market. Well, and <laughs> so that's where we are now. What I really like too about what I'm listening to is, um, and and maybe I'm I might be a little bit biased only because I I talk with so many different startups. What I love about what you guys have done is you you, you even just said it already. I mean, you're already doing the product fit. You're already looking at your markets, and it's funny to me how many startup founders I talk to who they don't have a single customer. They don't have anybody who's validated their idea, validated their product. And yet they're looking for that funding, you know, they're looking for that angel investor, you know, seed funding, series funding, what, what have you. And it's, it's a bit of a disillusionment. It's like, I actually talked to a guy recently who was like, you know, why can't I find funding? And I was like, well, cause you have, 
you have no customers <laughs> and you have no product. I mean, it's, it's not a right. hard, it's not hard to understand, but, but it's weird how in the startup world it's, and, I, and actually maybe you can give me some insight here. We use that word startup in a really odd way where in some ways I feel like we have like the real startups, you know, like, like yourself where you're really, I mean, you're, you're, you're killing it. You're getting after it. But then we have people who have like really strange perspectives on business and they use the term startup as like an umbrella for, I guess, an excuse for, well, yeah, I mean, we're a startup and it's like, yeah, but Mm -hmm. I don't know. I don't know if you have any insight there. Yeah, no. And and I've, I've really seen it all. And one of the things that, um, that I've noticed, yeah, you, so to your point, you either have a startup that, that has traction or you have an idea, right? Yeah, and it, love and it can that. be, a, it can be a, a great idea too. And it, right. and it just depends too, I think, and I don't want to sound bitter, but if you have a great idea and, and you move to the Bay area, maybe you can get funding, but if you have a great idea and you're in Dallas or, or Austin or, or, you know, if you're in the Midwest in general, anywhere outside of New York, LA, San Francisco, and some of those those markets like that, I, I do think it is more difficult to get an idea funded anyway. Right. Uh, I do think you need to show traction. I think you need to show um, that, that you are working towards profitability and all those different right. things that investors are, are looking for. So yeah, I mean, I, I think it boils down to, do you have a startup? Is it really a company or is this just an idea? Uh, yeah. And to get funding where we live um, on an idea uh, is near impossible, I think. Well, and I, I love what you just said too, because I even sometimes I'll have these conversations that are a bit of a of a hard conversation where I'm trying to help the founder understand exactly what you just said, and the response mm-hmm. I get is is something like, "Well, you know, there's plenty of millionaires and you know billionaires in Silicon Valley or California or wherever who will happily fund this idea," and I'm like, "Okay, that's mm-hmm. that's that's the exception. That's not." That's not the right. It's not the norm. You, know, you got to have that traction and that, that proof of concept for people to actually throw money at you. Yeah. And I think you'll be better off because of it, because you have mm. to think more strategically and you have to be uh, frugal, right? And you have right. to spend your money wisely. So I think for those people who have a great idea and are thinking, okay, I'm going to go raise money. I don't think that's the right approach. I really think if you have a great idea, think about how you can build traction, can, can show that you can, can get customers and acquire customers just by being, you know, doing some sneaky things, right. And, and, and just whatever hacks they might be, but figuring out a way to build a customer base on a very small budget. Cause I think that proves the fact that not only do you have a good idea, but you're also a good founder. Well, and, and maybe we could drill in on that for a second, because I even, you know, it's funny sometimes too the founders who they, it's almost like misprioritizing who you really serve or the sense of, you know, you're, you have this product, you have this idea and whether it's tech or not, you have some kind of solution that, you know, ideally your main priority is that customer and like really drilling in on what they need and how Mm -hmm. you're making their life better. But I've seen like these priorities get flipped sometimes where it's all about the funder and it's all about, you know, where you're going to get the fund almost like where, and I I get that this is an, it's an important conversation, right? For like the life of your startup. Yeah. But it's almost like the customer is like a total afterthought. It's like the customer's not even considered. It's just like fun, 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 fun. Um, I don't know. I, have you seen anything similar to that, or do you have any insight there? No, I haven't seen too much similar to that. But I, yeah, I mean, I, I can believe it, and and I think that you know, I I, I know st- founders who who have taken that approach, and and I think that in the end, 
they're going to be unsuccessful. I, I really believe that because if you throw money at a product or a service that doesn't have a customer base that is loyal to it or excited about it or whatever it might be, then eventually it's going to fail. And I think that if you can start by uh, pleasing the customer and, and, and just giving them exactly what they need and, mm. and whatever problem you're solving, solve it for that customer right. and then eventually those funds will come. Right, right. No, that's awesome. I, I totally agree, man. That's great. Well, so talk to me a little bit about, you know, you're, you're in this position now where you're, you're looking for that funding, you're trying to scale out the business a bit. What's, what's mm-hmm. been like some of the um, biggest challenges over this last year? <laughs> so, I mean, the, the funding process itself is, is tedious and it's hard and it's really almost a full-time job. I, I think it takes you know, about 80% of your time when then it gives you 20% to run your business. So for me, I guess the biggest challenge has been I'm a solo founder and it, it's just having the enough time, right? To, mm-hmm. to grow the business on one hand and then on the other hand, raise money for the business. So what I did was I, um, I've been fortunate enough to join the Capital Factory here in Dallas. And the Capital Factory is like an accelerator program, but it's really a, a mentor network where you have access to hundreds of people who have started companies before, um, you know, successfully, right? And, and you can just bounce ideas off them, schedule hours with them throughout the day and just use, just lean on them for help and assistance on, on how to help grow and build your company. And that's actually where I met Dimitri Love, who introduced me to you. He's got a great startup called Bundle. He's been on Shark Tank. He's part of the Capital Factory Accelerator program too. He and I met there. And now Dimitri is really my, my go-to guy on, for, for technology questions. And he's, he's helping me out a ton. So, you know, it's, it's having, ha- having the help on, on one hand and then being able to spend the time to raise funds on the other has been the biggest challenge. And then from the fundraising standpoint, I mean, you're going to hear no uh, 100 thousand times more than you hear. Yes. <laughs> and that is, um, and, and it's hard for some and, and growing up and, and I guess being in sales for over 10 years, to me, it's natural to hear yeah. no, but right. to some that can be very discerning and, and, and hard. Um, and I understand that. And I guess, so I'm, I'm lucky in the fact that I have, you know, a, a long track record and a background of being shut down and I'm just used to it. Right. So it's okay for me to hear no, and I'm just going to keep moving forward. But I think some founders hear no like a hundred times and they're like, well, maybe I don't have a good idea. And that's not necessarily the case. It's just, you haven't found that right person uh, to have the conversation with, or maybe you're just not in the right, uh, the right fit for them at that time. So, so yeah, it's, uh, that is the biggest challenge, but I think uh, fortunately I'm, um, I'm set up to, I guess, power through it. You know, and and it's great. You know, it's funny listening to you too. And just like, I love hearing about how so many elements of your past have all sort of like bundled together into, into being like these factors that have now helped you sustain Mm -hmm. the business and help you have the right mindset for the business. And um, I think that's a great, it's just a compliment to you in general, but like, especially on this concept of hearing no, you know, you obviously having been in sales, you know, it's, it, it's going to happen all the time, but I think you're so spot on, especially for like, it feels like entrepreneurs in general who are like finally so passionate about an idea. And then when they hear no, it's like, it's, it's just devastation. I mean, it's just like, yeah, you know, I'm totally crushed about it. 
it's hard when somebody tells you that your baby's ugly and, and sometimes <laughs> people don't know how to take that. Right. But, but they don't mean it. It's just, you're not the right fit for them at this time. It, and a lot of times too, you'll hear a no, but do this and let's talk again and things like that. So, so whenever you hear that, no, it, it doesn't necessarily mean no forever. Uh, it mm-hmm. means no for now. And, and, and it really, you know, find out why they say no and, and, mm-hmm. and learn from it and, and build on it and, and do what they say. Right. I, mm-hmm. you might hear no, because you don't have any customers yet. Well, then go get some customers. Right. So, right. So yeah, there's always a way to learn from, from a no or from, you know, failure in, in general, you know, I guess. And, and that's what you do. It's funny you say that because I've talked to some founders who they, cause I, I, I think what you just said is a great insight of you, you take the feedback and you use that to fuel the next decision because I've seen some founders who they get feedback like, no, I'm not going to fund you because you don't have any customers. And instead of like using that as information to, okay, I need to go get customers. Their mindset instead is, well, I guess I just need to go find a different funder. You know, instead of yeah. like, instead of like actually drilling in on the feedback. <laughs> and I don't know if you've ever, yeah. read, there's a really great book for, I don't know if it's specifically for startup founders, but I've been recommending it to startup founders and it's called, I think it's called passing the mom test. And it's, it's basically okay. all about, you know, when people are telling, you no, you can't, you have to really drill on what your customers are telling you or, or what your investors are telling you rather than. And what this book talks about is how most founders rely on encouragement, which is sort of like false information, you know, so it's called the mom test because everyone can relate with the mom who's like, oh, you have the best idea. I mean, you know, right. of course, they'd be crazy not to buy from you. And then you find yourself confused thinking, well, why is no one buying from me? You know, why are people telling me no, instead of like right. really listening to the right person? Now, I, I haven't heard of that book or read that book, but I think it's spot on. I think that it, it's hard to, to get your mindset to think that way, but we learn so much more from, neg- from I, not negativity, but from, from failing back. and from yeah. hearing the word no and then and the feedback in regards to it. We learn so much more from that than, hey, you've got a great idea. Good job. Keep going because you don't learn anything from that. It's just like, oh, well, thank you, but I'm not going to give you money, but we really like your startup. Oh, okay. That helps yeah. me. That doesn't help me at all. Right. Say you don't like it, but tell me why, and then I'll and then I'll fix it. Right, and we'll talk again. So yeah, I that sounds like a cool book, and and it is spot on, and it is so true. It's just uh, it's hard though, right? It's hard to get your mindset around that, and and you, everyone wants to hear yes, nobody wants to hear no. Uh, but if you can get your mindset around a no is a good thing because mm. you can use it to your advantage, then you're going to be much better off. Yeah, and and it's almost like finding that there's like a middle balance there somewhere of, you know, you seek out the honest, candid feedback, but on the same Mm -hmm. token, you know, you sort of keep your, you know, you don't let it, I guess, douse the fire of why you got so energized around it in the first place. Exactly. Exactly. And you know, another piece of this too, that I'm, I'm curious what you think about this, especially when we talk about, you know, whether it's fundraising, whether it's getting your customers and we, we alluded to it earlier as well, but, uh, when you're talking about, you know, sort of the app development and getting yourself launched, you know, really yeah. the, the speed of, I don't know, actually the technical term, but basically the speed of validation, like actually taking it from idea to execution to really, you know, modifying it and turning it over. And it, it feels like different startups progress through that at different rates. Like where some are so yeah. quick to move through there and get their product fine tuned 
while others get it. I've even seen some startups who, and I guess it's part shiny object syndrome, but they get so, it's like they're in ideation for eternity. It's like, it's, it's yeah. what's, what's going on there, especially since you've been around so many startups, what affects that speed of validation? Um, for me, it was really, again, I, I, I was fortunate in that there was already businesses out there with the same model, right? And, it, mm. and the competitors would include Home Advisor and Tackle and Handy and and Thumbtack. So there were people out there who who realized that oh my gosh, I can use my phone to schedule a home service pro- call or a home service provider, and and I can have somebody out here as soon as today. And and so it's for me, I think it was <laughs> a little bit easier. Could you imagine being Uber and and trying to just <laughs> upend an entire category like? Oh, I'm used to hopping in a yellow cab, but now I'm just going to hop into some stranger's car. So yeah. for them, it's completely different. I mean, they are, I mean, they're disrupting an entire industry. For me, right. it was following on uh, with an established market and established industry and, and, and just tweaking the idea a little bit. Um, so I didn't have to, but to your point a little bit too, it's the, the bright and shiny object trying to, trying to make it perfect. And I think perfection can, can really slow things down a ton, right? You do, it doesn't have to be perfect the first time out. And it's, it's not going to be perfect the first time out because you don't know what your customers are going to tell you yet. Right. So they call you know, you've heard the, the term minimal viable product before, and right. then that's really all it has to be. And for, for me going back, I would have even minimalized it more. I think I probably spent more than I should have. I probably <laughs> spent time than I should have yeah. getting yeah. it, you know, as pretty as I thought it could be and as shiny as I thought it could be and all those things. But, but I really didn't have to. And if I could go back and do it again, I, I would have spent less money and less time on, on trying to make it perfect and, and really just getting something out there and being like, are these people even using it? And are they excited about it? Um, so, so my advice anyway is to, if, if you've got an idea, and especially if you're strapped for cash, um, just get something out there um, as minimal as it can be and, and just see if people are using it or excited about it or like it. Yeah. And I think that's a really great piece of advice of, of really, I mean, it's, it's the speed of getting it in front of your customers and then being really, um, just being a great listener, you know, and being, re- being really mm-hmm. able to filter feedback to inform, okay, where do we yep. go from here? You know, it's so funny how like some of these concepts, like when we talk about them are just so, it's like so common sense. It's like, well, yeah, what else would you do? And then yet in practice, you know, I guess it just becomes so much more complicated sometimes. It does. It does. And sometimes you can build a business and, and think it's going to go one way and then it just shoots off in another direction. So, right. you know, we, we, we built this company to be a B2C company. We thought homeowners who needed ceiling fans hung and their Christmas lights hung and leaves clean out of their gutters and, and their walls painted or whatever it might be would use us to, right. to come to their house and they'd feel safe about using a firefighter. And, and what we found, you know, soon after we launched is that businesses were you know, sending us emails and giving us phone calls and saying, Hey, we heard about you or I used you at home, but I also have this business or I'm, I'm a realtor or I own a moving company or I own a, a, a leaf guard, you know, a gutter guard company or, or whatever it might be. But, but we could use your firefighters for our business as well. And it's really kind of grown into, you know, is this a B2C company or is this a B2B company? And now we're really kind of both. So we're, mm-hmm. we're, we're helping homeowners get jobs done. And now we're helping businesses get jobs done as well. So, so my point here is that when you do start an, a company and you launch it and you've got in your mind what you think is going to happen and what you want it to do, 
be flexible because it could go anywhere. You know, it's got a life of its own and, and let it go there, right? Don't try to stop it. Let it go there. Use the direction that the market is telling you and, and just follow that. And, and instead of trying to impede it and just stay, you know, focused on what you think is the way it should be, be open to what, you know, people are telling you. Yeah. I love that insight. And it's, it's really all about letting your customers guide you in terms of what they're telling you they want rather than just what you want <laughs> or what you are exactly. excited about or energized around. Yep. Hmm. That's but you've awesome. spent so much time and so many late nights thinking about this idea and you've got right. it in your mind of how it should be. And then you launch it and someone tells you something differently and you're like, yeah, but I've spent all this time going, you know, and all this time and energy thinking it should be like this. Um, but you've got to listen to your customers. You've got to listen to the market. Well, it's the, uh, what's it called? Uh, sunk, the sunk cost fallacy of like, you know, I've spent so mm. much time in this, so I can't let it go. Even though like for the sake of your business, <laughs> you have to let it go. If you're going to stay, yeah. you're going to be profitable down the road. Exactly. It, it's tough. It's a tough pill to swallow, but, but it is what's best for the company. So you just got to do it. And you just, you got to have thick skin and, and be able to just forget about it and move on. Now, do you have no something else I see happen a lot in the startup world? And I'm curious what you think about this too. In fact, actually this afternoon, I'm going to be meeting with someone to sort of, she's getting recruited by, she's getting recruited by a startup and I'm kind of giving her the questions she needs to ask. So she doesn't, you know, get burned something else. Mm -hmm. And, and I don't mean to like rip on startups, but I, I am trying to like bounce this off of your expertise to kind of get your other, a different perspective. I do see a lot mm -hmm. of startups, especially as they scale and they bring on staff people, and especially when they are strapped for cash, where there is sort of this boundary between, okay, I need talent, but I'm also, you know, we don't really have the cash flow for it. We're also trying to grow it up at a certain rate. And what I've seen some founders do, actually, I talked to a guy who his founder hadn't paid him in like 12 weeks and like couldn't make his rent, couldn't pay for any of the stuff. And so his founder came back to him and was like, well, how about we just, we just nix the paycheck altogether and let's, let's just set you up fully on equity. And so this guy okay. comes to me and says, you know, what, what should I do? He wants to know, this is what he's offering. You know, we won't do any equity anymore, but fully, or excuse me, we won't do a paycheck anymore, but it'll be totally on equity. Should I say yes? And mm -hmm. this business had no customers. It didn't have any revenue whatsoever. And, but the boss was saying, you know, hey, our valuation is like $14 million dollars which he's okay. basically saying, you know, his competitors, that's what they're valued at. And so he's thinking that's what he's valued at. Point that I'm getting yeah. at is, again, in the startup world, I see this happen a lot where it's like the rules are a little bit softer, I guess. But where there's dysfunction financially, how, how do you, man, I don't even know my question other than just like, I'm just navigating this in my own mind of like, there's something off sometimes, especially as you bring on talent and, you know, and balancing that with your, your revenue. Again, I don't even know what I'm asking yeah. other than, I don't know if you've ever encountered something like that before or, you know, your perspective there. But, yeah, um, no, I see what you're getting at. And it really, I mean, it's all about building a team and it's making the first hires that you can to, to grow the team of your startup. And I've read something, I've read it many different places that the first few hires that you make are some of the most important ones that you ever will make. And, right. and I think for founders too, there's that, um, what's the word I'm looking for? The, just the giving up control, right? As mm. Some people don't want to give up control and they think that if I hire somebody and have them do this, what I've been doing for the past two years, are they going to do it the same way? Or are they going to do it right? And it's right. just, you've got to, um, 
I think, give up that control and be, be able to do that and willing to do that because there are so many other things that, that a founder can and, and, and should be doing. But in regards to how you structure the, the pay, and so I have some advisors that, that I that have brought on. So they're not, they're not employees, they are advisors. And, and I think for an advisor, they should get equity, right? Mm-hmm. And, and that is the way that I have structured it with my advisors. And, and they get um, equity based on either achievements or, or based on time. I mean, you, mm-hmm. can, you can structure it two different ways. Uh, and then if you're talking about employees or, or people that, you know, that you are going to actually have working for you eight hours a day, five days a week, I think that's a different story. I think that is where you should consider paying them. Now, you can get an intern as well as kind of a stopgap in between, you know, actually hiring somebody. And I am looking, uh, you know, when, when I do join the accelerator program, one of the things they've already asked is, you know, we have a lot of nearby colleges. Should we should we find you some interns? And I'm like, heck yeah, let's find some, some interns for sure. <laughs> some young talent. Um, exactly. So I wrote up some job descriptions for, you know, there'll be a social media manager, creative, yeah. content yeah. writing, different things like that. And, and I'm going to get some help. And I think, so, so I think that's one of, that could be a trade-off, right? And before right. you actually hire someone is, is get an intern, learn how to communicate what you need done to that intern, um, be okay with, letting go of some control and some power and letting them do stuff. And I think that may gradually ease you into your first hire, which again, I, I, I believe if you're going to hire somebody full-time, they, they should be paid and, and get equity in the company as well. Right. Uh, right. I think you got to take care of your employees first and foremost, because that's going to become one of your most valuable assets is your employees. And I think that, you know, any founder uh, needs to be cognizant of the fact that if you take care of them, they'll take care of you. Totally right, man. Man, I am energized listening to you. I'm just like, this guy right. gets it. I, I can just tell, man, you you have such a great perspective, not just on business, but especially, man, it'd be, it'd be awesome. And, and I definitely don't mean to come across as like cynical or negative or what have you. I just I work with a lot of businesses. And so hearing you have this perspective, especially in the startup world, I'm just like, man, this is such, what a great philosophy to have. Um, so I appreciate you, man. Thanks. I appreciate you coming on the show today. Oh, of course. I appreciate the kind words. And yeah, it's just that that's just, I guess, how, how I'm wired and, and I'm excited <laughs> about it. But, <laughs> but but that's not to say it is easy because it's not right. easy and that's for sure. But but again, I mean, anything worth having isn't going to be easy. Right. So you just have to write it out and, and get it done. Well, let me ask you this one last question then. How do you stay yeah. positive and fueled? So I think you, I, I have a why, right? So I am uh, I'm married and I have three young boys, age nine, 11, and 13. And, you know, hey, we want a pool in the backyard and we want, you know, the, <laughs> everything that I want to pay for their college and I want to get them to right. their schools and, and all the different things like that. So I think that, and, but, but there are founders out there who are 25 to 29 years old and, and haven't started a family, family yet. But what is your why? You know, why are you doing what it is that you're doing? And, and maybe you've started a company that you just have a huge passion about, and that's your why. But I think finding something outside of the startup that is important to you and the, the startup and it being successful as a byproduct of that uh, is, is why I think I have such a good attitude towards it. Love it, man. I love it. And I love that call out of knowing your why. That's great. Because yeah. um, that's also another thing I hear a lot too is, you know, people who don't quite know their why, they just know they want to be a startup founder. <laughs> and I'm like, okay, yeah, you got it. Just, you got a little backwards there. I just want to be rich. Uh, yeah, you know, yeah. <laughs> why do you want to be rich? Well, what do you want to buy? What do you want to do with that money? Do you want to donate right. it? Is there a cause that you're, that you're just affiliated with or whatever it might be? It's just, why do you want that money? Uh, yeah. If that's 
what your why is. So yeah. So, so tell me if just for the listeners, how can we how can we support you? How can we stay connected to you? Is there a website? Is there you know what's what's the best route for people to continue to stay connected to you and support you? Yeah, I mean, if, so first of all, if you ever need a ceiling fan hung, or if you want your Christmas lights hung next year, or whatever it might be, uh, some spring cleaning around the house. I mean, go to uh, the, the Hydrant app is in the App Store. We, we're iOS and Android. Um, so you can just go to search H I D R E N T. You'll find it on the app store and in Google play, or you can go to hydrant.com. Um, yeah. And, and then if, if you want to reach out to me directly, I'm Dave at hydrant.com. If you have any questions, I love talking and networking with other founders and bouncing ideas off, off of one another. So, um, you know, shoot me an email as well. And I'm happy to talk. Love it, man. Well, Dave, thanks for coming on the show today. I so appreciate it. You got it, Blake. Thanks a lot. Take care. For the listeners, thanks so much for listening. Absolutely follow up with Dave and download that Hydrant app. I know I'm going to download it right now. I'm excited about it. And as always, if you enjoyed this episode, feel free to share it out. Feel free to subscribe to the podcast and we will catch you next week. See ya.